Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Last week, our podcast did something really fun. We celebrated a thousand episodes with a live taping at Manny's in San Francisco's Mission District. After almost two years straight of recording most of my interviews remotely, it was such a special experience. I got to meet Fifth Emission listeners in person, thanks to all of you who came, and I chatted with some super smart folks in front of an audience. There were two conversations. One was with comic, author, and TV host W. Kamau Bell. Look out for that very funny conversation on Friday. I promise you don't want to miss Kamau's brilliance. Today's episode is the first conversation of the event, a topic that we've wanted to tackle for some time, the new momentum of labor organizing in the U.S. since the start of the pandemic, and what it means for the tech industry as it continues to see massive layoffs. COVID-19 has changed our personal relationships to work. Many of us pivoted to remote work, some of us quit our jobs or quiet quit, and we started the pandemic celebrating and clapping for essential workers. At the same time, the tech industry grew tremendously. In 2021 alone, Amazon, Apple, Google, Microsoft, and Facebook had a combined revenue of more than $1.2 trillion. There was also a new wave of labor organizing and actions. Strikes in the U.S. rose almost 50 percent between 2021 and 2022, and they were happening across industries, education, manufacturing, healthcare. Also, polling shows that 71 percent of Americans support labor unions, which is the highest approval rate in nearly 60 years. Now, Silicon Valley has been reversing its pandemic workforce growth with thousands of layoffs. How can tech workers learn from the labor unrest in other sectors? I spoke with two guests to help break it down. Zoe Schiffer, the managing editor for Platformer, a newsletter that examines big tech and democracy, and Anand Singh, the president of Unite Here Local 2, which represents more than 15,000 hospitality workers across the Bay Area. Singh led the historic 2018 Marriott strike, as well as the union's response to COVID-19 and the 2022 SFO strike. Here's my live event conversation with Zoe Schiffer and Anand Singh. It's been edited for length and clarity. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. So, Anand, I'd love to start with you. You know, as I just mentioned, the start of the pandemic, there was all this empathy for essential workers. We, we talked about them a lot. We supported them. Nowadays, maybe we're not hearing that sentiment as much, but how did that, like, culture of caring kind of pave the way for this resurgence of labor unrest that we're seeing now? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think that the empathy is well-placed, right? The um, layoffs that are occurring, it's not easy for anybody in any industry to lose their job and have uncertainty and how how to make ends meet. But certainly the toll that it takes on an individual or on a family is far greater when you're a low-wage worker and you're, you know, struggling to make ends meet and you're essentially living paycheck to paycheck. Workers are coming from a place of we really have no choice. When our backs are against the wall, what else is there to do 
but to stand up and to fight back and to actually you know, struggle to secure something decent for themselves and their families. And so I think the pandemic has kind of reset a lot of people's notions around organizing and what it means in this moment to organize with their coworkers. And we're seeing a lot of that happening right now. But does this moment feel different? Because you've worked in labor organizing for a long time. Is there something different about this momentum compared to the past? Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels different. And I, you talked about the polling and how people view labor unions and the favorability. Um, I certainly hadn't seen that any time in my lifetime. I will say that the momentum and the organizing that's happening is far outpaced by the potential. I mean, there is so much potential to organize uh, in this climate. We have a president in the White House who vocally you know, supports worker organizing, talks about supporting Amazon workers in their fight to organize, talks about supporting farm workers in California, and the State of the Union talked about the right to organize. But we have not yet seen, despite that climate, uh, organizing at the pace and scale to meet this moment. Well, that leads me to my question to you, Zoe. You know, tech jobs in the Bay Area had the reputation for having the cushiest benefits, free meals and fancy cafeterias, dry cleaning on campuses. How did the cultural shift of the pandemic change maybe their ideas or relationships to, to their jobs? What kind of concerns were they raising? We have to kind of separate corporate tech workers from contract and hourly workers because those people did not have access to the perks that you're describing. Mm -hmm. But certainly for corporate workers, it felt like overnight a lot of the perks that they'd had in the office, the gourmet lunches, et cetera, were removed. At the same time, it felt like this big reckoning in the tech industry where workers were looking at the ideals that the companies had held up for so many years. You know, famously Larry Page at Google said, we're not curing cancer here because that's too easy. We're going to cure death. I mean, if you're a tech worker at Google, that feels like a mission you go to work for. And employees were saying, you've held up these ideals around diversity and inclusion. Now we want you to make good on them. And they were asking for more autonomy and power in their own work and work-life balance. But also, they wanted a say in the actual projects that companies took on. I mean, maybe especially for younger workers in tech, but have the recent layoffs been this very harsh reality check for them? Yeah, I think it's been the first time, at least since I've been a reporter, that tech workers have felt like if they were vocal and they spoke up and were retaliated against, which does happen at all levels of these companies, they couldn't just jump to the next high paying job. And I'd be curious what you think about this, but I think there is kind of a chilling effect that that can have for organizing at the top levels of these companies because there is a feeling of not wanting to rock the boat at this time. And if I could respond to that, I mean, I think that that's true at all levels, yeah. right? And it's why I think we have not yet organized uh, to meet this moment. The climate is the right climate, and yet the chilling effect, as, as, as you talked about, from the very top, it has a real effect and real impact on, you know, stopping and stymieing organizing drives. Yeah. At the same time, one of the psychological barriers to organizing at the corporate level has been that things are pretty good. You get paid really well. You have good perks. And so I, as a labor reporter, do feel you know hopeful in these moments that maybe now is the time where it feels like your companies are not listening to you in the way that they used to. You're not having those open conversations. And a lot of the benefits have been stripped away. And so maybe this is a time to come together and push for change. Well, Anand, one news story that just really 
stuck with me from last year thinking about this moment is the successful work stoppage by SFO restaurant workers, which your union organized, that three-day strike resulted in a $5 an hour raise and free family health care. I mean, that, I mean, the applause here indicates this is, I mean, that's quite a victory. And I just wonder for you, did that outcome surprise you? The outcome doesn't surprise me because I've been around our members and I know what they're capable of. And our union is a union that has not been afraid to engage in strikes and that kind of militant action. I think that the speed at which they achieved the results that, that we wanted to achieve was quite astounding. I, I do think that there's something to be said about the fact that workers can't be treated as dispensable in this moment. We talk a lot about labor shortages. We talk a lot about you know, the supply of, of labor, both hourly workers and salaried workers. You can't just replace a thousand workers who walk off the job. And so while you know, the very tops of these companies will do everything they can to prevent it, collective action is a very powerful tool. Now, Zoe, some labor experts are looking at the tech industry and they think it's the new frontier of the American labor movement. And there have been some high profile organizing efforts in the tech industry in the past. In 2018, workers walked out in Google because of their handling of sexual harassment. So I, how have tech companies historically responded to any form of dissent? I mean, not friendly, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, workers at Google were successful. I mean, Google did everything in its power, I think it's fair to say, to stop them from organizing in this way. But we had thousands of people walking off the job and protesting not just sexual harassment um, policies at the company, but also the company's projects that it was working on for the government, famously Project Maven. And actually, those workers were successful in canceling that project, which was a large-scale AI weapons project, and getting Google to commit to um, not doing more of those projects moving forward. Now, in the background, Google has continued to pursue lucrative military contracts, although not on weapons. But I think that moment really was kind of an inspiring force for at least corporate workers in the tech industry. I think there were contract and hourly workers who'd been organizing for far longer, but it felt like, oh, we too can be part of this movement and we can push for change and actually have an impact. And I think we're seeing some of that um, organizing take place. At the same time, I think it's easy to look and say, oh, a couple Apple stores organized, but it wasn't like Starbucks. It didn't spread across the whole country. I think the movement's dead. And I think when I talk to labor organizers and experts, they say, look, this is a long-term play. And I think it's going to be years before we see the fruits of the efforts that we're kind of putting on the ground right now. You made this good distinction between like full-time employees and contract workers and gig workers. And Anon, you understand the dynamics of tech companies pretty well. Unite Here Local 2 represents 700 cafeteria workers at companies like Facebook, Google. Workers like them have been sort of the underdogs of the industry in a lot of ways. And now they've been successfully unionizing. And these also are the same workers that have been subject to layoffs recently. But how has their experience been different compared to maybe the other folks we've been hearing about? A couple of thoughts. I, I think that with all the wealth that's generated in these companies, you'd expect that we wouldn't see the kind of resistance that we'd see in these organizing campaigns. But we do. I mean, time and again, these are perks that they're giving to tech workers to have cafeterias and free food. And yet... Um, the workers organizing for healthcare is a big fight every time. What we've seen 
is when we have the support of tech workers, and we've had to do that time and again, speak directly to the tech workers, enlist their support, it gets the attention of the company. And that's when they settle the contracts. They don't want us talking to one another. They don't want us organizing across you know, this invisible barrier. And so um, I would hope that that provides a roadmap for where we should be looking to go. The layoffs themselves have been quite difficult. Workers without a union in that space really do live paycheck to paycheck. And so losing employment and not being able to work remotely, find another job where you can work remotely, puts people at a real disadvantage. Workers with a union, workers in our union who have faced layoffs, have a safety net. They have severance pay, they have continuation of health care. And so it doesn't make the situation a better situation overall, but it does provide folks with a softer landing. More of my live conversation with Unite Here Local 2's Anand Singh and platformers Zoe Schiffer after a quick break. Why is worker solidarity across industries so important right now? Anand and Zoe will break it down. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Now, Zoe, traditional unions have had some notable victories, as we've talked about. Are tech workers paying close attention to unions like Anon's? I read this stat in 2021 that nearly half of tech workers want to be a part of a union now. Uh, But Silicon Valley has long been resistant to them. Um, Is there a blueprint for organizing that they can follow, or is it just an entirely different ballgame for them? I would say there's some like cultural differences that I've seen workers come up against, one of which is just that tech employees historically are used to, at most companies, having a pretty open culture. And when you see a problem, you talk about it really openly with management. And usually management was like supposed to be kind of receptive to that. Whether or not that actually played out in practice, up for debate. But I think when you're organizing, you kind of want to do the opposite of that. You don't want to be like out in front saying exactly what you're doing. You want to be a little bit quiet behind the scenes organizing on non-corporate channels. Um, And so I think there's kind of a shift that needs to take place for workers to say the solidarity that should be taking place is not between me and the company, which is such a blueprint of Silicon Valley. It's between me and my fellow workers. And you've been seeing that more, Anon? Well, we certainly saw that in 2018 with the Google workers. And we were actually, when that, you know, when those workers took action, we were on strike in the city. Marriott workers were out on strike. And many of those Google workers came out and joined our picket line. Zoe, I want to talk about, and I'm, I'm sorry, I know you're probably exhausted by Elon Musk, but how's your sanity, by the way? You've been following him so closely. Hanging on by a thread. There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, it's clear that his leadership style has been sort of chaotic, callous to his employees. I think that's fair to say. How has the presence of Elon Musk at Twitter, how's that changed the way that tech companies maybe their relationship with their own employees? Going back to the start of the pandemic, it felt like tech workers were actually starting to gain meaningful power. And I think from tech CEOs, it felt like they continued to give workers more benefits, more power, and those workers still weren't happy. They were still speaking out and they wanted more. And Elon Musk came along and he took all of the power and he fired 
basically everyone who had any opinion and was willing to speak out. And I think tech CEOs have looked at that and said, wow, well, if he could get rid of basically the entire workforce and strip away all the benefits and tell people that they should work longer hours for less pay and the company doesn't instantly fall apart, perhaps this is our moment and we can all do that as well. I do think there's been a big, big cultural shift in Silicon Valley and, and leadership certainly sees this as their moment. Mm -hmm. I want to ask both of you, and I know we've touched on this already, but what is the potential here if really true solidarity happens between white collar, blue collar workers, if people start to recognize maybe their similarities in this? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of potential. We're at this moment, this precipice of a lot of potential. How do you sort of think about it? I mean, I, I think, yeah, we are at this moment and there is so much potential. It's limitless potential if we can bridge that divide and we can organize together. Again, you know, workers are not indispensable, whether they're, you know, tech workers, whether they're gig workers, whether they're cafeteria workers, their work is needed to make these companies successful. And if we can break down the barriers and organize across those barriers, I think that the potential is limitless in terms of what we can do to enact change in the workplace. And then I think there are those issues which we can organize on where we can enact policy changes, like you know, fighting for, for healthcare reform in this state that um, has been so elusive. So um, I'm excited about the moment, and I think there is quite a bit of potential. What do you think, Zoe? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with everything Anand said. I think, you know, it's not an accident that these tech companies are structured in such a way that they try and keep workers as siloed as possible. When people can come together and realize that they have common issues and that there are patterns at these companies that are problematic, they actually do have the power to push for change. And it really only benefits the corporation to keep all of those separate. It's not an accident that Slack has been like a main character in so many of the workplace dramas that we've seen because suddenly workers could actually find each other and say, oh, you had a problem with that manager? That person's been an issue for years. Well, great. I'm sure there might be folks in the crowd that have some questions. Damien, it's your turn. All right. This is a hot mic. Who's up first? Hi, thank you. I'm wondering if there's anything in particular about the Bay Area in terms of uh, companies like companies anti-union activities, which distinguishes it from other places? I haven't seen anything different about the Bay Area with respect to anti-union activities. And part of it's the fact that, you know, the companies that we deal with are multinational companies. They exist everywhere. And so there's a playbook and there's a handful of anti-union consultants they engage that fly around the country. And so what we see when workers are organizing is a very similar campaign. It's, there's the carrot and there's the stick. There's the intimidation and there's buying people off. Nothing um, that I've seen really kind of separates organizing in San Francisco or in the Bay Area from what you've heard you know, happening in Bessemer, Alabama, or um, other places where there have been high-profile organizing fights. As somebody who's not in tech, who's not in... Um, service industry. What can those of us do? Can you tell me how we can help? There's a number of ways. I mean, there's there's campaigns happening all the time in the Bay Area. There are picket lines and strikes happening all the time. And community support and, you know, walking the line with striking workers um, is, is always a help. But Beyond that, I think we've got to find a way to um, bridge the gap and organize workers, you know, throughout the workplace 
tech workers, cafeteria workers together. We have to find a way to bring the rest of the community into that. The community is not powerless. I mean, the community, you're consumers of the products that these companies are selling. And so um, I think that there's people vote with their wallets and with their voices. And I think that there is a very unique role that everybody can play in the movement to bring justice into a workplace. Hi. So as like a software engineer, um, something I hear a lot from other software engineers that's somewhat resistant towards uh, like organizing is that we're all like high paid workers and it's hard to convince people of the benefits of unions. So I'm wondering if y'all have any strategies about how to like go about having these conversations and con like convincing people of the power of of unions, even for high paid workers. Yeah, I mean, I think this is where solidarity becomes incredibly important, particularly if you're talking about a minority union or a solidarity union where you're not trying to get NLRB approval and it's really workers coming together that is the union and is the power. I think organizing on behalf and with people who inherently are lower paid and have less stability than you is incredibly important. At the same time, I think that the playbook in tech has had this other layer to it where it's workers wanting a say on what the company works on. And particularly as an engineer, you're the most valued resource at your organization. And so no one has more power than you. And if you say you will not work on a certain type of project because you're morally or ethically opposed, I think that speaks absolutely the loudest to leadership. By the way, that was an amazing question. If you consider journalism, perhaps, you could really reduce your wages. <laughs> Everyone, please give it up for Zoe and Anand. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was my conversation with Zoe Schiffer and Anand Singh from Fifth Emissions 1000th episode celebration at Manny's in the Mission. Zoe is the managing editor of Platformer. If you want to check out more of her reporting, visit platformer.news. Anand Singh is the president of Unite Here Local 2, a union that includes workers at hotels, restaurants, tech cafeterias, airports, and more in the Bay Area. To learn more about it, visit Unite Here 2, that's the number two, Org. Thank you to King Kaufman and Sarah Feldberg for producing both the event and this episode. And tomorrow, my live conversation with TV host, author, and comic W. Kamau Bell. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening.